You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Note, we are not real therapists, we are not real doctors, but we are real movie critics. Yes, if Kristen tells you to take a drug, don't do it. She's not allowed to do that. Uh, (laughs) Unless it's a vitamin. I do love vitamins. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) All right, let's get to this week's letters. Kristen, why don't you read the first one? Yes, our first letter is from Lisa. Lisa says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm tired of seeing everyone post on social about their fitness routines, their attempts to stick to their diets, their low-carb recipes in the era of COVID. I'm tired of all of it. I absolutely hated diet culture already, and I hate it even more now, when most of us have more important things to worry about than our dress size. Sadly, most movies I watch don't give me an escape. Even if they say they're not about diet culture, they essentially are with their unrealistically thin female leads and their erasure of any women who have an ounce of body fat. I'd love some movies and TV shows that acknowledge the existence of more full-bodied women, as long as they don't have fat jokes or weight loss storylines. Ah, Lisa, um, this is a good question. Now, as a guy, I can relate to this I would say sort of, you know, I remember a couple years back, there was sort of a focus. I remember reading about this in men's magazines and I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, they, there were all these kind of average built guys like Chris Pratt, who used to be actually uh, kind of heavy, um, Jordan, um, right. Hugh Jackman. And they had all just gotten totally ripped. Like that was like, you'd, you'd see them in the movies and they were just completely jacked. There's muscles just rippling all over them. And there was some talk in the men's magazines about how, like, what's this doing for guys? We've got this new standard that we're all trying to live up to. And, you know, how realistic is this? And I thought that was kind of interesting. On the other hand, Again, being a guy, it's perfectly okay for Seth Rogen to date Charlize Theron in Longshot, and nobody thinks anything of it. Ugh, yeah, it's maddening. I sort of understand the pressure here, but but I can't say I understand it fully. But Kristen, how about you? Oh, I hate it. I absolutely cannot stand it. As somebody who yeah. was brought up in a household where this was like 
the number one value of any woman was how she looked. And specifically, that look should include being borderline underweight. And um, as you know, Rafer, I am not borderline underweight, and I'm pretty average sized. <laughs> and so <laughs> was that a thing in your household? Was that was that was body image oh, a big thing for you growing up? Oh, my gosh, it was terrible, Rafer. I did not know that. I was on a diet from the time I was in fourth grade, I think. Oh, no, it was terrible. Yeah, I was younger than your sons and I was on diets. And it, oh, my God, it was like the number one obsession of my life growing up counting calories, uh, weighing myself several times a day. Oh, man. Yeah. Worrying about, you know, I would just be happier. I would just be more likable. I would just be A, B, C and D if I would just lose 30 pounds or whatever it was. Um, and then at a certain point, I did. There was one summer where I dropped like 20 Five percent of my body weight, and it was wow. It was really unhealthy. Yeah, that was like anorexia gone wild. It was right. bad. It was bad, 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 bad. And thank goodness, I you know, as, as an adult, I'm very different. And thankfully, I reached a point where I'm like, thank God, I'm just grateful my body does the things it does. Who gives a damn totally. about how big or how small it is? I'm very, very <laughs> fortunate that um, pretty much everything I want my body to do, it does. I mean. I, I don't want it to run marathons. So if I had that expectation, it would be different. But, you know, yep. I want it to be able to do things like breathe and get me from A to B and to I hear eat delicious food. And, you know, most of the things I want my body to do, it does. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm much more at this point happy with my body doing things than looking a certain way. So but it's hard. Our, sure. our society does not necessarily value that perspective. I think our society does want women to be worried about how much they weigh all the time and wants us to be thin all the time. And here's a little trick I want to give Lisa that I started doing last year or the year before. On social, it's bad enough if it's your friends who are posting about diets all the time and their low carb plans and so on. Yeah. But it also sucks because the ads that are pushed to women are insane. You don't have to deal with this, Rafer. You're a man. Right. But the ads pushed to women are constantly like, you're fat, you're ugly, you're too wrinkly, you have crepey right. chest skin. <laughs> like, I never thought about crepey chest skin until I got fed ads about it. And so um, a friend told me, just change your gender all the time. Be a man for a while, then be non-binary. Oh, I love it. Just change your gender on social media. And it's fantastic. So now the ads I get are for ridiculous things like underwear that holds two people or like, here's a stuffed animal that's like 14 feet long that, you know, I mean, just get the weirdest ads now. Very, very weird ads. It's great. Did you say underwear that holds two people? Yes. Yes. That's interesting. Face to face or side to side? I suppose you can choose. The people wearing the underwear, I suppose, can decide for themselves. <laughs> I know what I to get it. you and your wife for Christmas this year. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, God, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> but yeah, um, that that's one trick, Lisa, I have. And then another, you know, you can kind of on some social media, maybe mute people for 30 days if you're getting tired sure. of their diet stuff and make sure that you hold to your own standards and just make sure you're posting about things you like. Sure, sure. Well, Kristen, do you have a, a prescription for Lisa? Yes, I do. It is a show on Hulu called Shrill, starring A.D. Bryant. It is based on the best-selling book by Lindy West. Lindy West was famously a writer for The Stranger and a contributor to This American Life. Ah. She, by her own definition, is fat. She is loud. And she is an intersectional feminist. And the show is great because... It in some ways is based on the book and in some ways just like 
kind of a weird, dramatic, romantic comedy where A.D. Bryant is somebody who is gradually learning what her own worth is. She's learning to get past certain messages about where her value lies. She's learning to be louder, to speak up, and to not put up with certain kinds of things anymore that she spent most of her adult life and her childhood putting up with. Here's a clip. Yeah, I found this designer online because it's always, you know, it's such a hunt to find cool clothes for fat women. Wow. I love how you say that word, fat. I don't know that I would say that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't mind saying it. I'm fat. <laughs> it's just true, you know. I'm not afraid of it. It's just a descriptor, so. That is so powerful. I, I love that. Oh, well, thank you. What I love about this, Rafer, is there is mention about weight here, but most of what's happening is A.D. Bryant's character is learning to be okay with the space she takes up in the world as a human, as a woman, and as a fat woman in particular, uh, speaking up to her boss, speaking up to the men who take advantage of her. And one of the very best episodes is when A.D. Bryant's character goes to a pool party specifically for fat women. And I don't care what size you are, watching that episode made me so happy. It was queer women, straight women, women of all races, women just enjoying themselves and their bodies, women drinking cocktails, women floating and, you know, playing with their water wings or what have you, just enjoying (laughs) life. And watching that scene and seeing the joy that women are allowed to have in their bodies when normally, like, how often do we get to see a bunch of women in bikinis who are not skinny enjoying life and not berating themselves and not talking about their diet. So watch the whole show. But specifically, when you get to that episode where there's the fat woman's pool party, I just, I got to tell you, I think you're really going to enjoy that, Lisa. Cool. All right. I will check that out, Kristen. Definitely do it. And what are you going to recommend, Rafer? Well, I'm going to recommend a movie uh, that, Lisa, you may have seen. Uh, but it's Isn't It Romantic from last year with Rebel Wilson, who I know has become sort of the go-to girl for full-bodied women. Sort of first it was Queen Latifah, then I think it was Miss Melissa McCarthy for a while. Now it's Rebel Wilson. But, you know, uh, the release of this film was a little interesting. They they kind of snuck it into theaters in February, which is usually the time of year where movies go to die. But they also <laughs> did release it on Valentine's Day. So Warner Brothers had some faith in it, but Clearly, they didn't think it could handle like a summer or even a spring, like a proper spring release. They thought it would do 22 million on the open weekend, but it, it fizzled a little bit with just 20. And then it, it kind of it kind of fizzled and kind of, you know, faded from theaters. But here's the thing. It's pretty good and it got pretty good reviews. So it's kind of hard to say, like, what happened there? You know, was it that people didn't want to see Rebel Wilson in a lead role in a kind of what was a romantic comedy? I'm not really sure, but the movie didn't really do as well as it should. Anyway, here's the story, which you may know. Uh, She plays uh, Natalie. She's an architect living in New York. She's got low self-esteem. She's a sourpuss. She's kind of a cynic, and she hates romantic comedies because everything always ends up wonderfully in them, and she feels like that's not how life is. She gets mugged. She's knocked unconscious. And when she wakes up, she is apparently living in a romantic comedy. You've got the handsome rich guy, played by Liam Hemsworth, who falls in love with her. There's uh, Her wardrobe is expensive. Her apartment is unreasonably huge. <laughs> and uh, in what I thought was a great touch, she, she also has a gay best friend who is infinitely supportive and appears to have no job. Um, so here's, here's a clip of Natalie waking up to the sight of a handsome young doctor. Wow. You took quite a spill. Uh, um... <laughs> 
I got mugged by this childless sociopath. <laughs> we need to call the police and maybe I should do a sketch. So I just... Oh, whoa, 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 okay. Whoa. Just slow down, lovely. Where am I? You're in the emergency room. This isn't an emergency room. This is a Williams-Sonoma. <laughs> okay, sit back, relax. Just let me examine you. Okay. Oh, dear. What's wrong? What's your eyes? You're quite beautiful. Did I die? You were, like, way too hot to be a doctor and you're saying really creepy things to me. I am so enjoying my time with you. Why? <laughs> Wait, I know what's going on. You're working with that subway guy. First he knocks me out and then you try to steal my kidney. Security! Please, I need help! Well, if you really want to leave, I'm sorry to say that your clothes were completely ruined, but don't worry. We picked some things out from the lost and found for you. Now, Rafer, I am one of the people who saw this movie on opening day on Valentine's Day as a date. No kidding. Okay. And? Yeah. Dean and I went to see it. And one thing that I thought was really special is it told this line that's very difficult, that it was both lambasting romantic comedies and yet paying tribute to them and yes. loving them at the same time, which is a really tough thing to do to both make fun of them, but celebrate them. Right. And I have to give this movie credit for being able to do both of those things at the same time. Right. And I also got to say, total side note here, the wardrobe that they have for Rebel Wilson is fantastic. Yes. Everything she wears in this movie is terrific. <laughs> yes. She looks she looks so good in every scene. Whoever's in charge of the fashion design in this movie, she looks so good in every single scene. Yeah, and they really do it up like like a, like a real romantic comedy, which is part of the joke. And I I guess one of the reasons that I picked this was what I remember thinking in the film and maybe I'm misremembering, but what I remember thinking in the movie is that nobody ever not Rebel Wilson, not any of the supporting characters. Nobody ever mentions her weight. I could be misremembering that. But, you know, even when she's talking about her low self-esteem, about how this guy's too hot for me, when her mom at the beginning of the film says, you know, you're no Julia Roberts, it's her weight is not the reason. I don't think it's really discussed. And I thought that was kind of in its own way, a little bit radical. Like, it was interesting, as if the film had been written for somebody maybe of any weight, but Rebel Wilson got the role and played it. And so it's not mentioned, and I thought that was kind of cool. And as a bonus, it's got Adam Devine, who played Rebel Wilson's love interests in the Pitch Perfect movies, and they make a cute couple, and I think they're both lovely together. So there you go. Oh, that's great, Rafer. So again, our recommendations are, from me, Shrill, on Hulu, and from Rafer, Isn't It Romantic? All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a quick reminder. We love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. So please take a moment, give us a five-star review, tell us we're pretty, tell a friend about the show. <laughs> yes, do all of those things. Please do that. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who has very different tastes than her husband when it comes to movies and wants to bridge the gap. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey, gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work. 
but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alex Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canals, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Rashad King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Garvey Smith, Ike Barrel, Steve Arkett, Thomas Milton, Jim Prince, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. Yeah, Film Vault. We are one of the original film podcasts. That can't be true. That there was like two other film podcasts when we began, Brian. How long have we been doing this show? You and I first sat down and did a version of the show over 20 years My ago. My God. There is shtick, but it's very little shtick. We finish like. each other's sandwiches. Close enough. Was that a joke on a movie? Yeah, that's from uh, Frozen. Oh, it is. Pretty bad. Ugh. Oh, look at you. I don't want to be like quoting Frozen on this promo. Okay, peek behind the curtain. Anderson's nope. like the Frozen guy. Like, he'll constantly reference animated films, family films, and I'm more the edgy indie guy. We do have the tropey thing going on where Brian does like the big Hollywood sexy summer movies. I'm always looking for like the hidden gems. Mm. Two episodes each week. One, we review movies, and the first episode, and the second one, top five time. Top five, different top five every week. Movies that made you cry. Worst movie accents. Most disturbing movies. All right, the film ball, check it out. Wherever you find a fine podcasts. That's right. The film vaults going on 20 plus years. All right. We're back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, who is it from and what is the story here? All right. This letter is from Catherine uh, with what I would imagine is a fairly common problem. Catherine says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my husband and I sometimes have difficulty finding movies or shows that we both want to watch. And as we have quite different tastes when it comes to our viewing and can end up each plugged into our separate devices with headphones on, is this a cliche? (laughs) He enjoys action slash military movies, silly comedies, and anything with Mark Wahlberg in it. I like costume dramas, female-led films, and anything starring Reese Witherspoon or Kate Blanchett. Some things we enjoyed together recently were Parasite, Killing Eve, and Fleabag. Do you have any other recommendations that you think we might both like and can watch together once the kids are in bed? <laughs> I know this feeling. Do you know this feeling, Raper? <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, you know, I have this problem actually with my kids because my kids never want to watch anything I want to watch. I, I always think I've got my kids nailed. I always say... You know, what about a Western? What about, you know, an underdog sports drama? And, and they say the exact, the exact same thing. No, I want a comedy. I want an action movie. Or I want something with Mark Wahlberg in it. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> and Kristen, you've got this problem as well? Oh, my gosh. This is several nights a week in my house. Dean is on one end of the sofa. I'm on the other end of the sofa. One of us is on our device. Uh, well, well, I mean, we'll start off turning on the movie together. But within 15 minutes, one of us is enthralled with the movie and the other is on their device. And yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, Dean, he loves a movie where people are trapped in space, for example. Right. And some of those are good. I like those movies, too. Yeah, he, he likes a lot of things that have to do with, like, sci-fi and video games. <laughs> and, oh, was oh, he a video game adaptation guy? Well, not video game adaptation, but he watches these videos frequently that are people playing video games. Oh, yeah, like YouTube uh, like gamer videos. Yeah. Yeah, he'll watch those. Um, so I would say he would be perfectly happy just watching other people play video games. 
and watching space movies <laughs> forever. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and I'm a little bit more like Catherine here who wrote in. It's like, yeah, I like a female-led film, as you know. I like a costume drama. I like these things. Of course. So, of course. Invariably, one of us will end up on our device. Either I will be perusing eBay or reading too much Twitter and responding too quickly to tweets that I shouldn't be responding to. And um, <laughs> Dean will be shopping for like computer equipment or something like that. Yeah. Right. So th- this happens right. in our house all the time. Catherine, I feel your pain. I definitely feel your pain. (laughs) So, Riffer, what are we going to prescribe, Catherine, for this situation, which is probably very common all across the world? Yes. uh, Well, Catherine, I'm going to suggest to you uh, a series that's that's getting a lot of buzz right now, Perry Mason on HBO, limited series. Uh, It was just released on June 21st. Um, Kristen, are you, have you watched this? You're so ahead of it. Rafer, you must have gotten some screeners in advance or something. Oh my gosh. At this moment, yes. Yes. Listen, I, you know, that's my, that's my job. That's my job, man. Um, well, and by the time this podcast airs, I think, um, Catherine, you'll have heard of this. It's getting a lot of buzz already. Um, and for pretty good reason. Um, so here's the, here's the quick rundown. Um, if you know the name Perry Mason, you're probably thinking of him as the, you know, cool, calm, methodical, button down lawyer played by the great. Raymond Burr on television back in the 1950s and the 60s. Um, the, the old Perry Mason shows were kind of the original Law and Order. They were an anthology show. There was a mystery in each episode. Not a lot of backstory with the characters. Not a lot of drama. He never lost a case, by the way. Never lost a case, right? That's <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's not Perry Mason, damn it. Uh, but this is actually the origin story of Perry Mason before he becomes a lawyer, and and we find him. Uh, as a private eye, kind of a scruffy, hangdog, low-level private eye, played by Matthew Reese, and he's living in Depression-era Los Angeles. Um, he's one of these guys who, you know, makes a, a few dollars per case. He's spying on cheating husbands, maybe trying to shake down a movie star or two. Uh, in a great detail, he's always bribing the local coroner so that he can dig through the belongings of dead people and maybe find a good tie. So he's that kind of guy, pretty down and out. But one day he gets a break and he's hired by a big shot lawyer to investigate this sensational case of this kidnapping that ends in the gruesome murder of an infant. Here's a clip. Mr. Mason, an unspeakable act is visited upon us. Why not leave it to the police? I don't trust the Los Angeles Police Department to do the job. The way I see it... There's what's legal, and there's what's right. Rafer, wow. I got to say that this probably is going to satisfy both Catherine and her husband in lots of ways. We're talking costume drama. Totally. Because this is the 1930s, so the costumes are probably going to be terrific in this, right? Yes. There's going to be some suspense in here for her husband, a little bit of everything. So. This sounds like a really good prescription to me, Rafer. I think this could really work. Again, it's not female led. It's not. A, it's not what I would call an action movie, but it is a noir. It's a you know very it's got a real Chinatown vibe to it, and I do think of noirs as being kind of a guy oriented genre, roughly you know generally speaking. And the one thing I will say that I think everyone's going to agree on with this series, it is probably the most beautiful looking series you have ever seen on television. It Ooh. is. It's just. 
extraordinary. The, the, the details, the, the, the clothes, the newspapers, the trolley cars in Los Angeles. Um, it, it's, it's kind of astounding. But it's, and it's a drama. It's a real drama, real characters, fully fleshed out, real emotions. So I think HBO has got a real crowd pleaser on its hand. And I, I, I bet you that a, a husband and wife could sit down and watch this together. Ooh, I'm excited to see that, Raver. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. It's quite good. Quite good. And Kristen, how about you? Well, I have a very, very different prescription from you. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a movie that you didn't love as much as I did. Okay. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Oh, my God, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) You may recall that back in 2012, Rafer, I named it one of my favorite movies of the year. And you may have ridiculed me for that. I I blocked it out. I blocked it out that you named it one of your favorite movies of the year. Okay, listen, I'm going to shut up. Tell, Tell me... Tell us why. Tell us why, 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 Kristen. All right. Well, the movie is, uh, more than anything else, it's a costume drama that is also an action film. But it's also an (laughs) allegory about racism in America and Abraham Lincoln's fight to preserve the Union and end slavery. And I got to say, the fight scenes are fantastic in it. But my favorite thing about this movie is that there are actual historical figures and events sprinkled throughout it, like Abraham Lincoln's friend, Freeman William Johnson, his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, the Confederate yeah. President Jefferson Davis, uh, Underground Railroad hero and spy Harriet Tubman. There are real historical characters sprinkled throughout. There are real historical events and facts sprinkled throughout. So on the surface, it may just look like a dumb action movie, or on the surface, it may just look like a costume drama with a lot of action scenes. But if you look closer, you'll see like, oh, that actually correlates with a real historical event. That actually correlates with a real character. This is amazing. I love this movie. Here's a clip. History prefers legends to men. It prefers nobility to brutality. Soaring speeches to quiet deeds. History remembers the battle and forgets the blood. Whatever history remembers of me, if it remembers anything at all, it shall only be a fraction of the truth. For whatever else I am, a husband, a lawyer, a president, I shall always think of myself as a man who struggled against darkness. Kristen, that movie that movie sounds exactly as bad as I remember it sounding. It is so. Oh good. my god! It is so good. I, here now, you know what? I'll say this: I, it, you are right that they do put in historical facts, and they do try in this kind of interesting way to sort of adhere to history. But for a for a a Confederate era vampire zombie film. It was. It played it so serious. Yes. I remember. I remember about yes. fifteen minutes into the film, I I started thinking like, they're aware that this is a fictional narrative, right? They don't. They don't think this is an actual biopic, do they? It's so straight ahead. I love that about it. Oh my God, Kristen! I just don't know about this. We've got a disagreement here. Yeah, I know we do. I knew you were going to. <laughs> 
just roll your eyes when I said this. I know you didn't love this movie. You know I did. I love this movie. It stars Benjamin Walker as Abraham Lincoln, Anthony Mackie as William Johnson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Mary Todd Lincoln. So as you can hear, the cast skews more male than female. So I apologize about that, Catherine. But I still think you and your husband should sit down and watch this. I do think you're going to like the costumes and the history. I do think that he is going to like the killing of the vampires, which is sometimes quite inventive. There are some great ways to kill vampires. There's some great action in this. Um, and again, more than anything, it's just really, for me, fascinating to just see like what happened in history. How did they try to show it in the movie? And to go back and forth on that is uh, is great fun. So again... Even though Rafer doesn't think that this is a good prescription, I am recommending Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and Rafer is recommending the show that is speculated to win many awards in the upcoming year, HBO's Perry Mason. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter did not win any awards, sadly. No, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> if we were real doctors, Kristen, I would put this one in your personnel file. I would write you up. <laughs> I would report you to the board. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a solid movie or TV recommendation? A solid recommendation like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Write to us at reeferandkristen at gmail.com. You do not have to use your real name. You can call yourself John Wilkes Booth if you like. You can also oh. fill out the contact form <laughs> at reeferandkristen.com or tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next segment for the week. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe... Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Where legends are made. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism, villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy and triumph that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood. Available now wherever you get podcasts. For this week's What Should I Watch Next segment, 
We have a letter from Steve. Kristen, you want to read this one? Sure. Steve says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm super late to the game, but I finally got around to watching season one of Big Little Lies on HBO, and I absolutely loved it. The acting was terrific, even though I found most of the characters despicable, and I was on the edge of my seat almost the whole time. I then decided to move on to season two, and surprise, like everyone else in the world, I hated it. It felt like a sloppy rehashing of season one with none of the suspense. I didn't even make it past the second episode. Now, I'm left longing for the decent Big Little Lies sequel that never was made. Or, at least, a movie or TV series that has all the tension, surprises, and great acting of the first season. What should I watch next? All right. That's an interesting one. Now, I I was not a Big Little Lies watcher, but I do remember um, the people were so mad about the um, second season. I remember actually reading stories about how mad people were about that. I was so mad. You were you were mad too. <laughs> oh yeah, my because god, I was was so mad. People loved it so much at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the problem with season two is the first mini series is based on a best selling book. And there was not a second book after that. Oh, right. So they're like, oh, well, let's just make something from scratch up here so that there can be a sequel because the first one was so monumentally successful. The first one was huge. Right. And so, oh, we better make a sequel, even though the story wraps itself up just fine at the end. How do we make a sequel when the story wrapped itself up just (laughs) fine and there's no book to base it on? So let's just throw something together really quickly. And then apparently they had one director all the way through until the end. Then they threw out that director and brought on a whole new director to reshoot almost everything. Uh, um, yeah. So it was just a fiasco from the get-go, trying to make a sequel where there was none based on nothing with multiple directors. And it just, I, I have to agree with Steve here. This was sloppy and it had no suspense. And the only good thing about it, I thought, was the Meryl Streep scenes. Meryl Streep is excellent in it. So Uh, what I did when I watched it is I would just fast forward and only watch the scenes that had Meryl Streep in them. (laughs) That's pretty funny. And it took me about 25 minutes and I was done with the whole series. That was it. Just watch the Meryl Streep scenes. That was funny for me. Oh, that's good. And then good. everything else just ignored. You just ignored yeah. it. But that's not actually my prescription. I actually have a real prescription as well. Oh, okay. All yes. right. Okay. Uh, well, Kristen, do you want do you want to go first and and tell tell us your uh, your recommendation? Yes. So I'm going to recommend something that's a movie from a couple years ago, not a TV series. It's called A Simple Favor. Did you see A Simple Favor, Rafer? I I have that, and in fact, I uh, was uh, away for the weekend, and I took it with me just this last weekend, hoping to get a chance to watch it, and I still haven't seen oh. it. But people, this is a movie that nobody saw, but the critics really liked it. It got very good reviews. Yes, and I am among those critics. It was in the theaters for about 15 seconds. Oh, it just disappeared. Yeah, but it's so good. Anna Kendrick plays Stephanie, a single mom who tries hard to fit into her very Tony community of room mothers, and Blake Lively is Emily, the glamorous newcomer who wears couture suits, works in fashion PR, and drinks martinis while her kid is at school. And Stephanie, who is kind of an outcast, she's kind of like, you know, not as fancy as the other room mothers. She is so enchanted by Emily. And surprisingly, Emily takes a liking to her and even invites her to drink martinis with her and hang with her and share secrets and all that. But not long after they strike up their friendship, Emily disappears, and Stephanie is left trying to figure out what's really going on. Here's a clip. A few weeks ago, I met Emily, this wonderful, elegant person. 
Do you drink? Does your kid drink? I mean, it's never too early to start teaching. I think you're joking, but great. Every time we do this, I feel so high tone. <laughs> She's an enigma, my wife. I can never quite reach her. Did you just take my picture? Erase it. I guess I'm probably not the kind of person you're normally friends with. Oh, you do not want to be friends with me. Trust me. Five days ago, Emily went missing. I warn you, you go poking around in her past, you're gonna find something that is terrifying. I smell her perfume like a ghost. It's just you being paranoid. I saw my mom. She told me to say hi to Stephanie. Now, the reason I'm recommending this movie to Steve is because there are a lot of similarities with Big Little Lies. You have this very Tony community. You have all these people who are obsessed with status, with money, with being the right kind of mom, the right kind of career person, all of those things. And then you have somebody who's not quite an insider. You have Anna Kendrick's character, Stephanie, who in a lot of ways is kind of like Shailene Woodley's character in Big Little Lies. Just, you know, not the same status, not the same money, doesn't fit in. And um, you also have a mystery. And the mystery is not what you would expect. It's one of these movies that kind of starts out one way. And then by the end, you're like, what just happened? What did I watch? I love it. I want to start it all over again and hit play. And I want to watch it again because that is how delicious it is. It is edge of your seat delicious. And at first you just think, oh, this is a social commentary about rich ladies in the suburbs, much like Big Little Lies, which is what I thought at the beginning of Big Little Lies. But by the end, it's absolutely not that. So please check it out. And Rafer, since you have a copy of it, you definitely need to watch it too. I think you're going to love it. I have two copies of the damn thing. Oh my God. And and that's that's why I say I, t- I took one away with me because I've been meaning to see it ever since it came out and uh, people uh, said great things. I think it's Paul Feig, the director, right? It the is. same guy who did... Yes, it is Paul he's Feig. Like a, he's a comedy guy. You know, he's the guy who did, who did the terrible Ghostbusters uh, reboot. Um, <laughs> but I think he also did a couple of Melissa McCarthy movies. Maybe he, he did, did Spy, Spy, maybe? Oh, yes, I love right. Spy. So good. Yeah, anyway. Well, I'm glad you recommended that because it, it, it was just on my mind. All right. Thank you. Good. And um, I really want more people to see it because I, I know like two people who've seen it. For some reason, nobody saw this. It is so good. All right. Well, Rafer, what about you? I'm curious about what you're going to recommend for Steve here. I have one, too. It's um, it's really it's you know, it's it's not quite as Kristen was saying the same population. Uh, you know, it's not sort of the, the, the housewives and a juicy scandal kind of thing. Um, but it is it is a mystery. Um, it is extremely well acted. And I think it may just satisfy your itch. It's a series called Fearless that's available on Amazon Prime. If you don't know about it, it's a British series from 2017. This is actually the opposite of Big Little Lies. This is a series that everybody loved and wanted more of, and then it never got renewed. Um, and so instead of everyone, and everyone uh, uh, instead of being mad about uh, how bad it turned out, everyone was clamoring for more, and they wouldn't give it to them. So, <laughs> so here's the story. Uh, uh, it's about a woman named Emma Banville. She's a, a human rights lawyer played by uh, Helen McCrory. She's a real crusader. She's currently sheltering the wife and child of an accused Middle Eastern terrorist whom she believes is innocent. Even that's not the full story. She also takes on the case of a guy named Kevin Russell, played by Sam Swainsbury. Uh, and Kevin actually pled guilty to murdering a teenage girl 14 years ago. So Emma, this lawyer, has kind of a habit of taking on unpopular cases. And here she is talking to Kevin. Kevin, how can you confess to something you know you didn't do? You haven't heard of coerced confessions, Emma. Take a scared kid and mess with his head. You can put any words you want in his mouth. That's what she did to me. Told me how I did it, where I did it, and why. You were 23, not a kid. 
And most coerced confessions get thrown out. Yours wasn't. You know why? Because they had good lawyers and I had shit lawyers and it looks like that ain't gonna change. Kevin! Is there anything new you can give me? Anything about the case? Anything about the investigation? <sighs> I already told them everything. The police, the lawyers, the court. I had a good job. And my girl, she's pregnant. We're looking forward to our first kid. And then I get accused of killing a girl I don't even know. A witness said she saw you talking to her the night she disappeared. At a school disco with 200 kids. I didn't kill her. If you think I did, then why are you here? Because Annie believes you didn't, and she convinced me. But without new evidence, I'm never going to get your case before the review commission. So, think, Kevin. Is there anything new you can give me? This is a show that was so highly acclaimed. Yes. Everybody I know watched it, obsessed over it, just binged it in a single weekend sort yes. of situation. They loved this show. And I feel bad I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah. It, it's, it's quite good. You know, again, it's got one of these British casts, uh, most of whom you won't recognize, aside from maybe Michael Gambon, who plays uh, Sir Alastair McKinnon, a former member of Tony Blair's cabinet. Um uh, but everyone else, you know, at least to me, was not a familiar face, but the acting is just top-notch. It moves at a great pace. The characters are intriguing. Um, you know, there's always a great twist, a great turn, a cliffhanger ending. You know, I was I was doing a little research on it. It was on the ITV network uh, in England, which is kind of the alternative to the BBC. And it was their most watched show for the summer of 2017. They didn't renew it. Fans raised an outcry. There were stories about it. People were demanding that it be renewed. But for whatever reason, <laughs> they didn't. So all we've got is this uh, is this six, you know, six episode season uh, with no sequel to spoil it, Steve. They, they're not they're not doing it again. So it'll, it will stand alone in its purity. But it's really good, really compelling. And uh, and like Kristen was saying, you, you can just binge the heck out of this thing. I love, Reefer, that you said it was also a good pace because I have to confess some of the British uh, investigative shows or mystery shows, yeah. sometimes they move at a pace that, um, I don't know if it's my impatient American sensibilities or what, but sometimes I'm like, this is too atmospheric. Yeah, a little pokey. This is a little too much contemplation of the field that you're looking out on right now, where a body might yes. be for 10 minutes. Yes. Maybe I need something to be chased or something to happen. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. Not, 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 the, case, not the case in this one. I, you know, I was uh, uh, on a Critics Roundtable uh, show just recently talking about this as well, and, and I was comparing it, and this is not the best metaphor, but I was comparing it to... Um, like a classy 24. Ooh. It's not espionage thriller. It's not like that, but it's, it's, it's just the, it draws you through it and always leaves you thinking like, oh, I got to watch the next one. Just sort of the way 24 did. So, you know, <laughs> um, but it's great. It's really a great series. I think I know what I'm going to watch this weekend. All right. That sounds great. Good. <laughs> so once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, A Simple Favor, the movie, and my recommendation is Fearless, the series on Amazon Prime. Well, Rafer, I I guess that's it. I guess that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. We wrote some prescriptions. We administered some therapy. I, I, I think it's time to say goodbye. That's right. You may have killed one of our patients, but that's okay, <laughs> Kristen, with your with your Abraham Lincoln recommendation. That's all right. Listen, it happens. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. 
Everybody, please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. We're at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. Again, that's RaferandKristen at gmail.com. Also, feel free to use the contact form on our website. It's RaferandKristen.com. And you do not have to use your real name. Remember, you can use any name you want. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And once again, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Dr. Kristen Meinzer, not really a doctor. <laughs> and I'm Rafer Guzman. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.